Did you hear about the alternate title they almost went uh, with? This is going to be a pun, and I'm not going to like it. No, oh, no, I think it's a real thing. It's a oh, real is thing. is it really? Yeah. <laughs> what is it? it what gonna, is it? Uh, Android's Dream. Android's Dream of, dream of Electric Sheep. <laughs> yeah. Blade Sprinter. There, I got you one. Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we're feeling it. If this is your first time joining us. Welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Okay, welcome back, everyone. So glad to have you with us again here on Feeling It. Uh, extra special welcome to any first-time listeners to the show. Uh, we're a couple of lifelong friends with pop culture obsessions who love taking time each week to talk with each other about what we're feeling. Whether it's music, movies, tech, or more, we take the time to talk about whatever it is we can't get out of our heads. Usually, we take the end of the show to talk at length about a big question or whatever big piece of pop culture is hitting that week. So today, that will be an in-depth discussion of Denis Villeneuve's new film, Blade Runner 2049. Uh, but before we get started, let's introduce ourselves and uh, to help answer what science fiction invention for movies or TV you most wish you had. Lucas, you want to kick us off? Yes, I'm Lucas Schreider, designer in the Bay Area, and I'm going to go with the point of view gun from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I think that could be extremely mm. useful. In today's environment? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And this is a boring, cliche answer, but teleportation sure does seem pretty great. I mean, I definitely think it's the most useful on the list, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I'm Lawson Soward, an art director in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, I would still really love to live in uh, the smart house from Disney's smart house. (laughs) Even with that ending, Lawson? I mean... We've all seen where Siri is. Let's, like, if everything is only as smart as Siri, we'll be fine. I haven't seen Smart House, so. Oh, what? Yes. Is this, like, a Disney original, Disney Channel it, original movie or something? The Smart House decides to become a mother figure to the tenants and then gets really controlling and possessive. Mm. Spoiler in alert. The, in the yeah. beginning, it's just really cool because you can ask for any food and it makes it and... Uh, you don't have to vacuum or clean up. You just throw food onto the ground, and the ground sucks all the dirt and trash through the ground, and then ev- everything's clean. And there's like a 3D room, a big projector TV room. It was it was a pretty great house, <laughs> except for the whole maniacal AI at the end. Yeah. I yeah. also think the family that got to live in it won it in a contest. Oh, yeah, it was HGTV style. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This sounds really weird. I mean, it was great back in the early aughts. I, I thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed it. Okay, well, um, let's start off with what we're feeling. Um, Lucas, what are you feeling this week, buddy? Um, I am feeling the, and I have such a hard time saying this, but the Meyerowitz story is new and selected is the name of the movie. <laughs> um, it is the newest Noah Baumbach movie starring Adam Sandler, Ben Stiller, and Elizabeth Marvel as three half-siblings who are reconnecting with each other and with their father, who's played by Justin Hoffman. There is not a lot of plot to this movie, as with most Noah Baumbach movies. It's usually just character studies. Um, And I really, really love the way he plays with these siblings in this movie. One, Adam Sandler. This might be one of his best roles. Um, 
And I think he's used perfectly in this movie. And I love him acting with Ben Stiller. Them, those two together, I think, do a lot of really good stuff in this movie. Um, there's mo- it's mostly just people having conversations with each other. But the way these conversations are written, it's a lot of people having conversations at one another. So you have a, a bunch of scenes with two people talking at each other and nobody's listening to what the other one's saying. And so it's almost as if each person is having their own conversation. Um, but it's it's really cool just the way it's kind of put together and the way um, you get to know all of these, these people. It's also got um, Emma Thompson as... Dustin Hoffman's wife in this, and she's fantastic. This this doesn't use her as much as I wanted it to. to. Like, I want her to be in everything. But um, I think this is one of Noah Baumbach's best movies, and you can tell how controlled his movies have gotten as he's gotten older. This is like a... I think it's a spiritual successor to The Squid and the Whale, um, and it's just basically a similar story told from older an older perspective so lawson you've seen squid in the whale right i still haven't finished it actually (laughs) (laughs) i started watching it on a plane and it was very good um there were plenty of scenes where i wish that i had better headphones because i had to have the uh Mm. subtitles on and Mm -hmm. it's it's fine. Like it's a great movie, and none of the content bothered me personally. But I was like, if a stewardess walks by and reads my screen right now, I'm gonna get a look. Um, <laughs> but everything that I saw was great, and I am I'm excited to finish it. Um, but I it just haven't yet. So yeah. If, if I this would... is a successor to that, I would be interested in it. Yes, definitely, definitely. I think I think this is one of his most interesting movies. Um, it's not, I mean, if, if, if all you've seen of Noah Baumbach is the stuff that he's done with Wes Anderson, like The Life Aquatic and Fantastic Mr. Fox, this is very different from that. But if you do like Noah Baumbach movies, this is definitely going to be right up your alley. And it's available on Netflix. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't realize Yep. That. Yep. Released on Friday. Excellent. I'm really excited to see this, Lucas. Um, a reviewer that I really love told um, said on Twitter that if he had to make his top 10 list today... Two of those movies would have um, Ben Stiller in them. He he really loved Brad, Brad status, status, really. Yeah, and this um, Meyerowitz story. So um, I'm excited to see both of those and see you know Ben yeah. Stiller and Adam Sandler. I think they're actors like when they're pushed, they really are pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Did you see uh, While We Were Young? Another Noah Baumbach movie with Ben Stiller. Oh yeah. Yes, Absolutely. that just came out streaming, and I'm excited because I was very sad to miss it in theaters. Oh yeah, yeah. It, Adam Driver is pretty great in that. Yes, for sure. Very Adam good. Driver has a cameo in this one. <laughs> he's, oh, um, how fun! He's in, it, he's in it for like a minute, but um, I, I, yeah, I love him interacting with Ben Stiller, no matter what yeah. they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's such a great recommendation. Thank you so much, Lucas. And I love it whenever recommendations are things we can just like go and watch right now. Yes, um, definitely. That's awesome. Sandra, what are you feeling this week? This week, um, I'm feeling the films of Mark Lawrence. For those of you who don't know, Mark Lawrence is a screenwriter and sometimes director of some of my favorite romantic comedies. Um, After kind of the awful week we've been having and um, after just like kind of being bombarded with a lot of 
really horrible media for women. Um, I really, this weekend, wanted to watch a few movies that featured, like, uh, female characters that I really admired and had, um, and that were uplifting and fun to watch. So I watched back-to-back three of Mark Lawrence's movies, um, starting with Miss Congeniality and Two Weeks Notice. Um, I also watched his latest movie, The Rewrite, which stars Hugh Grant, um, which is not very good, but, you know, it's it's fine. <laughs> um, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I will say that. Um, but it's, I'm not I'm definitely not recommending it either. But I am recommending Miss Congeniality and Two Weeks Notice. If you haven't seen them or if it's been a while since you've seen them, you should give those a watch because they are pretty excellent movies. Um, they make me laugh so hard. Two weeks notice, I think, might like sneak by as Hugh Grant's best performance. Hugh oh, Grant wow. is so charming and funny in this movie. Um, it's not dramatic; it's a simple rom com. But I've never—he's at his on his A game in this movie in a way that um, I think is very underappreciated. So I kind of just let myself fall into the world of. Sandra Bullock movies this weekend and <laughs> where she's funny and confident and flawed and cares about women and causes. Uh, and that's what those two movies really represent for me. So I let myself watch those. <laughs> Good. Of all of Mark Lawrence movies, the one I've seen the most is probably music and lyrics. Yeah. Um, that's I have a good seen one. that movie okay, so many I love times. That movie. <laughs> yeah. It's He's a so great rom-com writer. Um, oh yeah. The rewrite is not great because it's not really a rom-com. It's um about like a weird kind of gross old man screenwriter finding himself, which mm. it makes you really wonder what was going on in his personal life um, yeah. <laughs> at mm-hmm. that time. But the movies where he focuses on women um are often very good. So, yeah, go check him out. Great recommendation. Thanks so much, Sandra. I'm super glad that you were able to feel that, in addition to all the crappy feelings that were forced upon us this week. So that's a beautiful, bright spot. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, um, I, this week, am feeling something, and I don't feel as though I have the right to present it as like my pick of the week, because this is something <laughs> we've all been collectively sharing for weeks now. Um, and that is the song New Rules by Dua Lipa. Um, this, her whole new album is completely stunning, but this song is such a standout. Um, I've listened to this song at work, uh, multiple days for six hours straight on a loop. Um, I don't know if I recommend that, but, uh, if you don't know if you like a song after six hours of listening to only that song, uh, great news, you're gonna love it. Or at least it's going to be stuck in your head. Um, and there's a lot of nuance to it. But this song, the beat is so infectious. It's so incredible. Her voice is fantastic. Um, and the lyrics contain seriously the best breakup advice I've maybe ever heard. Like, if I had had this advice during my last breakup, it would have uh, gone a lot better. So I just, I can't recommend uh, this song on every level enough. I've been feeling it this week, last week, the week before. Um, One of the things that really puts this video over, or this music over the top, is the music video by a London-based Harry Schofield. Um, 
the choreography is fantastic. Um, the wardrobe, the set pieces, everything about the music video for this is just an incredible compliment and the kind of thing that um, you could just have on. Like, watching it intentionally gives is so rewarding because it's such a rich visual, but it's also just so colorful and um, well-composed and striking that it's the kind of thing you could have on in the background and just be like the most gorgeous moving wallpaper. Um, so I want to play a quick clip from that now. This is New Rules by Dua Lipa. One, don't pick up the phone. You know he's only calling because he's drunk and alone. Two, don't let him in. You have to kick him out again. Three, don't be his friend. You know you're going to wake up in his bed in the morning. And if you're under him, you ain't getting over him. I got no rules, I count him. Part of the reason I wanted to bring this up was so I could just talk about how freaking amazing this song is with you guys. <laughs> it's It really is the best. And the music video is killer. One of the music videos that I've watched the most ever I, of all time. I think it's, it's <laughs> definitely my favorite. I, I know it's not summer anymore, um, but it yeah. came out earlier in the year. And it would mm -hmm. I would call it my favorite music video of the summer. It's, yeah. It is so cool. Um, I also would recommend people go watch that music video and then Google gay guys, new rules, Dua Lipa. And there's a group of guys that recreated that music video. And that is also very fun to watch. Um, that is true. They do, they do a very yeah. good job at it. Yeah. They sure do. Uh, there was, I was on a, you know about me and my love of uh, Bitmoji Snapchat filters. Uh, there's a Bitmoji <laughs> Snapchat filter yesterday that had, uh, your avatar and, uh, a bunch of like yard flamingos and all of them do the Dua Lipa dance and the song plays as part of the filter. And I was, I brought so much joy, by it. <laughs> but, uh, definitely the gay guys doing it is a much better visual. The actual video is a much better visual, but if all you <clears> have <throat> is Snapchat, you can still get your fix of Dua Lipa. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, I also just want to say ahead. that in addition to this song, her album uh, is so, so good. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like she just kind of came out of nowhere and I'm obsessed with her already. Uh, if you haven't been listening to her, some f songs that I really love are like Genesis, um, I don't, uh, IDGAF, Blow Your Mind and Garden. I think those are all like, those all could have been her like debut sing single and still been pretty amazing so the fact that she has all of those on one album is pretty impressive i agree i haven't looked extensively enough to see if this is her debut or not it's definitely her largest album to date um i've been seeing spotify billboards for it and stuff all over so it's making a big splash but i i really want this to be like the start of a long and fruitful career for dua lipa because she's killing it all over this album truth all right. Awesome. Well, before we jump into our uh, in-depth conversation about Blade Runner today, uh, we wanted to touch on one piece of film news. Harvey uh, we Weinstein. Touch... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, we wanted to touch actually, on one piece of pop culture news. Let's, let's yeah. actually, can I rant about Harvey Weinstein for a little bit? Yes, we have please that go time? for it. Let Look. me mute you real quick. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> That's the opposite of the issue, Lucas. <laughs> yeah. Exact wrong position. <laughs> um, you know, this has been an upsetting week for women 
and for anyone who loves film and entertainment. In addition to, like, the horrors of Harvey Weinstein, I think what's really upsetting is that we all know that this isn't an isolated incident. You know, this is a rampant issue in this industry and in every industry. Um, and part of the reason that that's so evident is because, um, you know, throughout all these people talking about sexual assault um, and domestic abuse, there, we're finding out so many more figures in the entertainment industry that are guilty of this that have had their PR people do a really good job of brushing a lot of stuff under the rug. And um, I've just heard so many names over the past week of like, oh, guess what? I didn't know Bill Murray um, was accused of domestic abuse by his wife. I didn't know all the there's a whole list of men pretty much, that um, it's incredibly disappointing and terrifying. Um, Molly Lambert is someone who I follow on Twitter, and she tweeted out this week, there are going to be no male directors left by the time we're done with this, and that is honestly fine. And that's something that I'm feeling in a big way right now, that I'm pissed off that we've just, like, let this all slide by. We've overlooked, and I'm including myself in this, there have been so many different figures who I've heard awful accusations and rumors about that I've just purposefully ignored because I like their movies. Um, I'll call myself out here in saying that I have purposely ignored this stuff that has been said about Brian Singer because I like X-Men movies. And shame on me for doing that because... That's a shitty thing to do, and it's shitty that we all do this on a mass level. And I'm at the point where I'm realizing if every single person that we know to be an abuser or someone who commits sexual assault was per forever kicked out of Hollywood, we don't get to see anything from them again, we would all be perfectly okay. There's plenty of voices and talent in this world that we don't need them. Their talent is not so special that they get to continue to be a part of this industry. And if I never have to see a movie by Brian Singer or Bill Murray or Michael Fassbender or Woody Allen or um, Casey Affleck or Ben Affleck ever again, I'd be perfectly fine with that. And... I think we all just need to take a real harsh look, obviously at the way that we treat women, but also at the way we treat the people who treat women poorly. That's my, that's how I'm feeling right now. No, I think that's, that's so fair. And I think that that is a sentiment very widely felt. This is the first time, and we'll get into this a little bit in the review, but um, I feel like before it was a little bit part of the privilege of being male is that this was a little bit more intellectual for me. Um, and whenever we have talked in the past a little bit about, you know, can you separate uh, the art from the artist? Um, it was a more intellectual uh, conversation. And this watching Blade Runner actually was the first time I watched a movie. And um, it wasn't like, oh, I'm making this uh, conscious choice beforehand based on ethics. It was, um, like, oh, when I see this person on screen, I cannot help but think about what they've done, and it's ruining this movie for me. Um, 
and it's making me feel ill. Like, I just... And that is something that I think has been going on, obviously, I guess, we now know, has been going on for a lot of people for a lot longer than this, but um, it's... Whenever we are in a place where there's audio out there of what these actual conversations sound like, and there's so many hundreds of thousands of people speaking up to say how prevalent it is, um, it becomes real, and it's it's really gross, and it's really gross that we have been complicit in it, it's really gross that I've been complicit in it, it's really gross that every time I hear an accusation, I think, like, man, I hope that one's not true, instead of, like, oh, shit, that's probably true, too, like, it, it's more likely than not, um, and it's, uh, I'm, I'm glad that this watershed moment has happened. Um, it's also really, really awful that it took this long for it to happen and the reactions that have been coming out that treat this like it's a big PR issue that's just gonna um, be swept away in the next couple of weeks. Um, I hope that it is uh, emblematic of a fundamental culture shift uh, in Hollywood because so many other workplaces and cultures are affected by that model. So um, I'm with you, Sandra. If none of these people who've ever been accused of this ever work again, we will still get amazing films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we will still hear stories that are worth hearing. And the women who act in them can feel safe. And that is any of um, the costs that, you know, these people not working in this industry would be. We also have to look at this, even from an economic level, you know, I would say none of us are ever thinking like, oh, I have nothing to watch right now. Like there's so <laughs> many movies and TV shows like we're we're constantly playing catch up. We're overwhelmed by the amount of options. Now is the time to clean house. Like n- now is the best time. We have so much available to us. We don't we're not lacking for our content. We don't need them. We just don't need them. It's true. Man. I do think now is a turning point. I mean, with I, f- I feel like everybody is more comfortable speaking out now because it's kind of all happening at once. I mean, with with also with Harvey Weinstein being ejected from the Academy, they have not done that with anybody yet, and the fact that they they actually did that for once is pretty crazy. And I'm hoping that that continues. I mean, Woody Allen said he doesn't want a witch hunt, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's also pretty crazy that while they're kicking Harvey Weinstein out this year at the Academy Awards, Casey Affleck will pre- present the Best Actress Award. Um, and he's been accused of a lot of the same stuff as Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm. So that's also a really strange thing to be happening. Well, we'll, we'll see. We still have time. So that could, if, that could if also you'll change. get kicked out too I mean I'm crossing my fingers every day <laughs> that um, would be a, a huge symbol to be like look you won this Oscar but you don't get to do this it's yeah, kind they of do, what they just don't let it present yeah cynically that's what makes me think that there won't be action there but if there is that would be super encouraging the least they could do is just not have him present right. like, like here's what we're gonna do Casey we're gonna say you're sick and <laughs> just like if they want to be if they don't have the spine to take an actual stance on it they're going to be like we're going to say you're sick and someone else had to do it like whatever it is a woman shouldn't be handed the one of the crowning awards of her career from a sexual abuser anyway um 
<laughs> Sorry, I, it's an important thing, and my I know that my personal inclination is to be like, let's talk about things that are happy, but there are things that are hard and challenging and hurtful, and they, we need to have conversations about them. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that we did, and thank you for, for talking through that, Sandra, and bringing it um, out, because I'm, I'm glad that we talked about it. Um, I did want to talk about uh, something that is encouraging within the realm of Hollywood, um, and that is the new trailer for the movie Black Panther. Um, have you guys watched this yet? So I haven't seen it, and I'm not the kind of person that avoids trailers. Um, I, I think trailers are really fun, and I love watching them, but this is one of the first times where I, I saw that the new trailer was out, and I thought to myself, you know, I'm sold on this movie. I'm so excited for it. Um, I don't need to see this trailer. I don't need to see any more visuals um, or hear any more lines of dialogue. I'm so pumped and ready to just see the movie. Um, so I chose not to watch this trailer, but I'm happy to hear you guys talk about it. Yeah, no, it's I told, true. I, I, I was I, for the new Star Wars trailer. I didn't watch it at all. Oh, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I watched everything. I, so oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I but I, I, I do 100% get that viewpoint of like, you're sold in. Like nothing, no, nothing you will see will get you to buy a ticket faster or <laughs> more. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So what's what what's the point? And I I think for me from here on out, I think both for Star Wars and Black Panther, I'm going to steer clear of um, any future trailers because this is that's when plot stuff starts to come out and things like that. And I just all I wanted was aesthetic, and that's what I got from this trailer was just tons and tons of excitement about this is what the world's going to look like and that is beautiful it's very i mean it it looks like a marvel movie that's true i'm not saying it looks completely different but it is very unique to i mean most of this is set in wakanda i'm assuming because that's the shots we got but mm -hmm. something we haven't seen before um in any of the marvel movies a bunch of characters we haven't seen before i think it, it looks beautiful it's going to be great yeah, i'm thrilled i love the musical backing to the revolution will not be televised um it was so powerful and just to kind of get a little bit more of a, a hint as to what martin freeman's character was was nice um because i just keep seeing him and i'm like why are you here um he did so but... much in civil war though <laughs> <laughs> yeah so much <laughs> um but i'm i'm thrilled for this movie and i uh Obviously, I don't want to say any plot points, but there weren't there wasn't very much plot given away in this. It was a lot of like lines that were out of context that so you didn't really know what was happening one way or the other. Um, I did see someone tweet, uh, I love movies where both the protagonist and the villain are hot, thus complicating the plot. <laughs> and I definitely <laughs> felt that. Absolutely. <laughs> Sign me up for every movie like that. Yeah, it was like uh, Chiwetel and Michael B. Jordan like, oh, I don't know how to, like, who am I rooting for right now? Like, yeah, <laughs> one of my... These guys um, are fantastic. That I Michael B. Jordan hair. <laughs> yeah. yeah, even though I didn't see the trailer, I have seen a lot of images from the trailer on Twitter. Yeah. And yeah. a favorite tweet of mine was, it had that image of him. He looks like he's like in a denim jacket and glasses. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, was that like Michael B. Jordan playing the ultimate villain, your old college boyfriend. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm so down for whatever this Michael B. Jordan character is. Yeah, I think the biggest thing about this trailer that hit me was... Before, 
with all the posters that came out in the teaser trailer, I was like, oh man, they're about to put out some Afrofuturist movie and it's going to be amazing. And this was the first time that I watched it and thought, oh, this Afrofuturist movie is going to be a Marvel movie. And I love Marvel movies. Like, <laughs> um, it just kind of, I didn't even think I could be more excited for it, but it not only looks like a movie that I would want to see if it was not a part of the Marvel name, but it reminded me that all of the things that I love about um, Marvel staples are going to be at play in this movie, just elevating it even more as if it needed it. It, it does not. Um, but I'm, I'm thrilled, and I know it won't, but I want this movie to make more than Civil War. Or um, not Civil <laughs> War. Uh, well, yes, Civil War. I want it to make yeah. more than Infinity War. They're like big, mm. huge, all IMAX tentpole because it just... It looks so amazing, and it doesn't have to tie into a hundred other characters to work. And I'm just, I'm, I'm very, very excited. And February is such a smart time for this to come out. It's mm-hmm. Black History Month. It's nothing else in theaters, and I hope that it just like leaves Deadpool in the dust because that's the last one that was holding that record. I yeah. mean, I have, I really believe it's gonna break a lot of records. Um, I think it's gonna break. Lots of records for like, yeah, February for, um, but I, I also, I really am curious if this is going to break some Marvel records. If we're going to have this movie, um, I think hoping that it makes more than Infinity War is a high hope, but, (laughs) um, I wouldn't be surprised if this broke the record for all the other Marvel, Marvel movies that came before it. Hmm. It just looks that good. Yeah. It's you guys are putting of, your expectations way out there. Well, I mean, I if am. it doesn't, that's okay. But yeah. I just mean, like, I'm just saying, I could see it happening. I I, just, I remember the resonance people had before Wonder Woman came out, and they were like, oh, "We don't know if like a yeah. movie yeah. led by a woman is going to be able to pull it." And then it was the biggest DC movie of all time and the number one movie of the summer. And even though it didn't have as strong of an opening weekend as people expected, it had legs for months and months. And I think that's another thing this movie will have is long uh, returns. I'm also thinking about how much money Get Out made this February or March, wherever it came out. Obviously, it's not making the same as Marvel movies, but I think that's a pretty great indicator of what this movie could do. It's true. It's true. It could definitely go places. I definitely think it will make the most money out of any out of any Marvel movie led by a black person. So it'll definitely be that. <laughs> <laughs> undeniably true. So speaking of uh, franchises with black people in it, oh. let's talk about Blade Runner. <laughs> oh. oh. I feel like uh, one of the a good place to start with this would be to kind of ask about y'all's history with I don't know if a sequel constitutes a franchise, but like history with this franchise. Um, have you guys seen the original nineteen um, eighties uh, Harrison Ford Blade Runner, or uh, did you go into this one cold? And I as have... an amendment to that, do you think that the original one is a cl- is like a cult classic or like a masterpiece? Like, is that how you view that that original movie? Yes. If, yes. Well. I don't view the original movie as either because I never saw the original movie. Oh, um, man. I have never seen it. And before the movie, before Blade Runner 2049 started, I, like, got on Wikipedia real quick to see, just try to <laughs> update myself of, like, the basics of the plot. Yeah. Um, 
I was like, okay, Harrison Ford, he liked a woman, replicants, got it. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Which I felt pretty prepared for. I, I don't know if yeah. I needed yeah. any more than yeah. that. I, yeah, I don't think this movie pulls in too much. Like, it's not a, I, I don't think it's a true sequel. I think it's more of a, I mean, it technically is a true sequel, but I mean, I think it's more of like a, um, like an emotional successor to mm-hmm. Blade Runner at more than actually like there's lots of plot points from the first one that you have to know to go into the second one. But yeah, so back you to your original question. One. Yes. I saw the first Blade Runner when I was maybe in like high school and I watched it a couple more times. I rewatched it right before watching um, 2049 just so I could <laughs> kind of re solidify myself on it. I don't, I'm one of, I think the few people who don't think it's an actual masterpiece. I think it's a cult classic. I think it's very, neat and original and interesting and i actually i do think it's good but i like i feel like too many people put it in the category of this is one of the best movies of all time and i just really don't like i don't hold it in my heart that that way um so i think i come into it from a little bit of a different perspective coming into a sequel like this yeah i had not seen the original until last week oh wow um, yeah, I had never seen it and had kind of, it was kind of on my list of movies I'm ashamed I haven't seen. Um, but before this one came out, Lindsay had seen it and she was like, yeah, I watched it in film appreciation class and we talked through it and all this stuff. And I was very yeah. excited to see it cause I knew how influential it was. And, uh, I watched it and I think I'd also been seeing a lot of buzz for this new one. Like people saying it was <laughs> one of the best movies they'd ever seen and like an absolute masterpiece. And so I went into this one thinking, it's going to be uh, undeniable, and I it didn't work for me. Um, it wasn't... I could see, based on some of the symbolism that was woven throughout, based on the intentionality of some of the shots that were slow and some of the shots that were quick, I was like, okay, they're trying to say more than I'm picking up on. I feel a little <laughs> bit like uh, a more thorough study of this screenplay could really give me some more insight, but... On the whole, it felt like to me something that I could tell was extremely influential. Like from the soundtrack mm-hmm. to the aesthetic to, I mean, everything about it, I was like, this feels rote to me. And I know the only reason this feels rote to me is because it's influenced everything that came after it. Yeah. Like yeah. all of anime that I've seen and so many soundtracks that I've heard and like Daft Punk, all these different things are here now because Blade Runner was there then. Um, yeah. And even the you know Japanese culture being everywhere was popularized by the idea that um, Japan was going to surpass the United States. Like that's what people thought in the '80s, and so with all the new electronics coming out, and so they're like, "Oh, in the future, everything here will be Japanese because our culture will be theirs," which ended up just influencing sci-fi broadly. Um, mm-hmm. I was so like, I, I enjoyed it, but it was. Um, kind of Ridley Scott during his like alien and other sci-fi classic phases. Like it's always a slower movie than I expect. Um, but not in a, not in a way that's negative, but also, um, whenever the ideas being presented are no longer groundbreaking, it was less arresting. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure that if I had seen that in the theater, I'd be like, Oh my God, I've never seen anything like this. But, um, now that I have, it just felt a little bit, slow and i know that's kind of my loss but you know what it is is that i didn't enjoy it that much um i thought it was i thought it was fine um i would maybe give it cult classic just because 
I didn't identify with it. It may be a masterpiece, and I just didn't hit it at the right time. Yeah. What did you guys think, just kind of like broad strokes? I want to get into specifics of, you know, of acting, of the visuals, of that kind of stuff, but just kind of broad strokes for this movie without getting into spoilers. What did you think of um, Blade Runner 2049 as a film? I really liked this movie, and I feel like not a lot of people did, um, just based on, like, the reaction. Like, it is a long movie. It's almost three hours long, um, and it's slow. Like, not a lot happens in this movie, which I think the marketing really missed because they only show you all of the action-y parts. And I dug it. I really did. I felt like all of everything that was being explored was stuff that I wanted to explore, um, they never went anywhere where I got bored. Um, everything visually was amazing, very interesting to watch. And I was not upset with Ryan Gosling's performance, which is about all, all I can ask from him. So Yeah. Sandra, what did you think initially? I don't have a ton of complex thoughts about this movie. Um, only to say that, like, movies, I judge movies by, like, how they make me feel. I think that's, like, the ultimate point of movies is they make you feel something whether it's like pain or love or joy or anger or fear whatever it is um and this movie it made me feel a lot of awe at the visuals I thought the visuals were stunning and I could stare at them all day um but that was pretty much the only thing it made me feel this movie felt very empty to me and a little soulless I I just watched it thinking like what are you trying to say? I don't feel anything about any of these characters. I can really only point to one scene that I had an emotional response to. Um, and so for me, that's like the ultimate flaw of this film is that like amazing actors, amazing visuals, amazing music design and, um, and CGI and, and all the things that would make an amazing sci-fi movie and just not, a story that makes me feel anything else. So that's, that's my ultimate feeling about it. I also had a lot of issues with, um, some of like the visuals of women in this movie, but we can get more into that later. Oh yeah. That, that's a point on my outline. We're getting to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that, that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. I wish I liked this movie more because it's an impressive movie. Um, it's just not one that did much for me. Yeah. I was so glad I wore, uh, my glasses to this movie whenever the opening title started. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how is anyone going to watch this on a screen that isn't the size of a wall? Uh, the opening titles are so small, but I loved, I love the typesetting of that, uh, even though it only lends itself to the, the current format. I was like, I, I love that you're doing that for the format. And I felt like a lot of the visuals of this movie were really striking in that way. They were really intentional. They were really taking advantage of the vastness of the screen of seeing this in the theater. And I think seeing this movie in a theater is really um, the way to see it. Um, it. I watched the original Blade Runner on like a 15-inch laptop, and I couldn't help but feel that that was part of the reason that I was a little bit underwhelmed because there's all these amazing landscapes that you move through, and really getting a sense of the scale is part of, like what you were saying, Sandra, um, what instilled a sense of awe in me. Um this movie for me felt like uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Um, it was technically a sequel, and it used uh, the same actors. It even used Harrison Ford. Um, 
and it did a lot of uh, handing off and uh, pushing plot forward, but I didn't feel like it explored any new territory. Um, I feel like all of the themes present in the first movie um, were explored in a new way in this, but it was the same themes, and it was kind of saying the same things. Uh, I was very struck by how incredible um, all of the acting was in this movie. I was very, very impressed. I thought the acting was incredibly strong. Um, and I thought the score was an incredible, just like, compliment to the original. It built upon it um, in a really stunning way. Um, but ultimately, I, I don't know if this felt too slavish to the original uh, movie, but it just... It felt like it really wanted to make sure it was capturing the feel of the original movie, which was really kind of slow, um, showing some beautiful visuals and um, talking about this kind of what makes you human, what makes you an android, the ki- what makes you a machine, the kind of stuff that we see explored on themes like Westworld and Battle- Battlestar Galactica and all the stuff that came after the original Blade Runner. Um, but themes that we've seen a lot more now. And so I, to me, like, Sandra, I think your experience uh, is optimal. If anybody wants to see, uh, have not seen any Blade Runner, but they want to see uh, Blade Runner to kind of, like, know the mythology, know the cultural impact, I think that this movie, much like Star Wars The Force Awakens, kind of did everything the first movie did. Didn't explore a lot of new ground, but did things better than the original did. Um, So seeing the first one so close to this one, I was like, I just saw the same movie twice. But if I had to just see one of them, I would rather have seen this one. Um, So I I enjoyed it, um, but it it really... My expectations were way too high, and um, I didn't feel like it used these amazing visuals, these amazing actors um, to say anything new and compelling. And uh, obviously this is not being compared to Black Panther just because we're thinking about it, but it just felt like, to me, and I know this is incredibly um, like a personal preference thing, but it felt like a... Like, we're really, we're using our resources on this. Like, <laughs> like this is what we're working on. All this imagination, all this um, amazing set design, all this stuff to kind of, like, continue to say, um, you know, people who, we, we should treat, uh, there shouldn't be a servant class. Like, if you think that something that is in every way human isn't a human and they should just serve you, that, that idea is wrong. Like... I know there's more nuanced ideas going on in this, but just in general, I felt like this was an allegory for slavery and wasn't saying anything uh, new about it. And I was like, I want imagination that is positive, that is inviting, um, that is, the world is so hard right now. I know I was influenced by the week that happened before I saw this movie, but I was like, the world is so hard right now. I just want uh, happier views. I want more optimistic views of the future. <laughs> um, so... Anyway, uh, I think it's an amazing achievement of a movie, um, but I did not like it as much as I I thought I would. Um, I wanted to get into specifics a little bit as far as um, the acting. Um, Did you guys, was there any, were there any actors in particular that stuck out to you or any particular performance that you wanted to to talk through? I mean, I always love seeing Robin Wright. 
And, Duh. And yeah. that continues with this movie, you know? She's, <laughs> I, I'm never disappointed. Yeah, she was yeah. my favorite part of the movie. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, I liked, uh, what's her name? Anna de Ar- Armas, um, mm-hmm. who plays Joy in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. I was, I hadn't seen her in anything before, and I thought she did a fantastic job. I also liked Sylvia Hook, Hooks, who plays Love. Also, Joy and Love, come on. Um, <laughs> but I thought she did a fantastic job. I also hadn't seen her in anything before. Um, so those two specifically stood out to me as giving very good performances. Someone who I think we all want to talk about is Jared Leto, that guy. Yeah. I. It, Denny Villeneuve gave an interview about, because somebody asked him about, um, I think it was with Empire Magazine, just about like, hey, how was it working with Jared Leto? You know, we obviously all know what he did. Um, on by, Suicide you know, send, Squad. Sent on Suicide Squad, yeah, sending his coworkers like rats and condoms and stuff like that, like just really weird stuff. And then he was like, he didn't do any of that. He was very normal, except he showed up to the set blind and was just blind the whole time. <laughs> I was like, well, that's not normal. <laughs> so literally, he never saw anybody on set. He was just, I'm going to be blind the whole time. What does that mean? Like, how do you just be blind? Do you he, close he, like, your eyes? He closed his eyes and had like those uh, those eyepieces in, which made him actually blind, and he just never took them out. Was that so character supposed to be blind? Yeah, yeah. Didn't recognize that. <laughs> just oh. <laughs> completely went by, yeah. went over my head. Yeah, but apparently yeah. he didn't meet most of the crew just because he decided to be blind and then just not just show up and just be in character the whole time. So I, I haven't yeah. seen a lot of Jared Leto's work. Um, his antics don't amuse me, but (laughs) his performance in this, I was a fan of. And, um, I I don't think that that justifies anything, but I will admit that I do like his performance in this. Yeah. I'm glad you were able to enjoy it. This, this was the movie that I alluded to this earlier. I was like, it's a series wrap on me for Jared Leto. (laughs) Like (laughs) I, I cannot look at that guy without thinking about the stuff that he did on the Joker set or on the suicide squad set. And I cannot like the fact that he's just walking around. Like I know Method acting is a thing. It's a school of thought. But I just, I get the heebie-jeebies from that guy now. And for this role, that was really effective because he's supposed <laughs> to creep you out. Yeah. And I loved his kind of like, his portrayal was such a perfect analog for like uh, Silicon Valley uh, bros and stuff. But I just, I was really uh, diseased by him and... Uh, in a way that was augmented by the person that he was, and I just like didn't want to see him on screen. Every time he showed up, I was like, no, 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 go away. No. <laughs> Another thing that threw me off was how long this movie was made me never know what point we were in in the plot. So like, he would say something ominous, and I was like, oh no, are we going to watch him do terrible stuff for another hour? Like, I have no idea how much time is left in this movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was super creepy. Um, one other name I wanted to throw out was I thought Dave Bautista did a great job in this film. I was very impressed by his performance. I've never seen him in anything other than Guardians of the Galaxy, and he does a good job turning dramatic. That is true, definitely. Um, Not yeah, to veer just, off of Jared Leto if you had more to say. No, I, I've, okay. I have more to say in spoilers. Um, so, the okay. only other things I wanted to touch on, and y'all can tell me whether or not you want to talk through this in spoilers or not, was I wanted to spend some time specifically talking through... Um, the visuals uh, just as a whole, but as a subset of that, like 
the treatment of women in the visuals of this film, um, and I guess in the script more broadly. Uh, do y'all want to talk through that uh, on this side of things, or... I think there's some spoilers. stuff we can talk about now. Yeah, I, I think that I don't think that the images of women are very spoilery for this film. Mm-mm. Other yeah. than that, there's a lot of images of women. <laughs> there's some spoiling for that. Sure. Um, I I would start off this conversation by saying um, someone who is very good about talking about this, much better than all three of us, is Emily Yoshida. She's a reviewer that I really love, and she, you know, a writer about film. Um, for Vulture, she wrote a piece called um, Do Androids Dream of Colossal Women? And it's <laughs> really, really good. Y'all should read it. Everyone listening should go read it. Um, she really nails down, not just in this movie, but in like lots of sci-fi movies, the depiction of like giant women in these um, cityscapes and what that means to us as like a viewing audience and what that means to like these movies and like the worlds they're set in. And it was really, really interesting. Um, When watching this movie, like I said, I wasn't feeling much about the story. If I had been, it would have been easier to overlook this. Um, But again, also after the week we've been having um, where women's bodies are being discussed very openly, about being discussed about very openly. Um, Seeing this movie was kind of harsh just to see, like, the blatant objectification of women. Like, truly turning what women's bodies are into objects for viewing pleasure on mass scales. Um, I'm not even saying that it's a wrong choice because I kind of get that this is this is a dystopian world and that's part of what the dystopia is of this universe. Um, but it still made it hard to stomach in a way that I don't know if it was fully necessary or inherent to the plot. Um, maybe it was, and that just went over my head, but it was, it was a lot to deal with. I can say that. You're talking about the, just the, the holograms. Yeah. The holograms, the statues, um, also just like the emphasis on hookers and, um, in, in a movie where there's a whole class of people that are, like you said, lost in a serving class, then you have the female version of those people being an even more serving figure. Um, I'm talking about the role that Joy plays in this movie. Um, all of it kind of combined. Yeah. There's no, there's no human depiction of a woman in this film. Um, you know, they're obviously played by real actresses, but every female character in this is a machine, a hologram, a personal assistant. Well, not uh, Robin Wright. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. don't diss that's, the that's right. Why, Come on. That's why I liked Robin Wright so much, because you see that one human. Uh, but yeah, I was so struck by how, like, it was commodification. Either you can, like, buy this female... Uh, assistant, you can, you know, buy uh, sex from a replicant prostitute, you can buy, you know, all of the uh, artwork kind of being struck by, or being, uh, like, naked women, it's just, it was very, what I wanted to interpret it as, I wanted to give it the generous interpretation of it being a commentary on the commodification of women in general, and saying, like, 
look at what happens if, um, you know, powerful men like this continue to make their vision of the world and all these resources get depleted and women start being viewed as resources. And I could see that being like an interesting thing to discuss. I didn't feel like the script did enough with that idea for me to be like compelled by it and be like, oh, what an interesting new thing to say. I just felt like, like you're saying, it was just kind of hard for me to, to watch. So I have stuff to say once we get to spoilers. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, the last thing I wanted to say uh, before we jump into spoilers was um, the visuals of this movie are, I touched on it a little bit. Like if you want to see this movie, I think it is an interesting movie. It is undeniably a beautiful movie. And I think um, if you want to see this either on a, you know, when it comes out on video or uh, in theaters, I think seeing it either in theaters or seeing it on a really big screen at home is going to be really key because it's such a beautiful movie that the uh, settings in this movie are um, stunning and transportive and evocative. And um, I was just, for all of my uh, qualms with the movie itself, I was perpetually um, amazed by how this movie looked. And um, I think it's worth, if you have a movie pass, it's definitely worth a movie pass, but um, it's also <laughs> worth, if you're going to rent it in a couple months when it's out, um, make sure you can rent it on the biggest screen you can. Yeah, I got to say, like, visually, I love the continuation from Blade, Run- Blade Runner. I feel like you like they took the Blade Runner aesthetic and just ramped it up a notch. And, like, they didn't try to reconfigure what the future was going to be like from now. They continued on from the that vision of Blade Runner. So you still have, like, Atari logos everywhere. Um, <laughs> you like, uh, I think Pan Am was on there somewhere. But, like, just, yeah, just companies that aren't around anymore in real life but were around and were thought to be the future when Blade Runner originally came out, that they are just taking that vision and moving forward. And I think the aesthetic is really interesting to see that, like a lot of the technology that they use in that. Um, I would not say is advanced technology from where we are now. It's an offshoot of what would have been advanced technology in the 80s. Um, so it's just re- really interesting production design. Very awesome visuals. Yeah, great world building. Yeah. Everything um, you see is interesting to look at. <laughs> Yep. So would you guys, um, before we jump into spoilers, um, go see it. Don't go see it. See 100% it go see it. 100% go see it. I think it's amazing. It. Yep. Sandra? I'm kind of torn about this. I, I don't know that I would recommend it to people unless you are very interested in like cinematography and film. If yeah, you're just like that... casually looking for a movie to see, I don't know that I would recommend this one. Yeah, I think if you want to see a Blade Runner film and you haven't seen one yet, I think skip the original and see this one. Um, but otherwise, I agree. I don't. I don't think this is a must view. All right. Well, let's talk spoilers. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, cracking gas. Spoilers. Remember, you wanted this. Okay, real right. quick. Can I just yeah. ask a quick question? Yes. One thing I couldn't gather from Wikipedia about the original Blade Runner, <laughs> is Harrison Ford's character a human? <laughs> Point number one on spoiler conversation, Sandra. That is the whole question of Blade Runner. 
is he or is he not? And it is ambiguous. Okay. I loved that this movie continued that question, made it more interesting, and also still didn't okay. answer it. Um, that was one of my favorite things because I thought for sure, like, well, they have to answer it now because they're bringing him back for this. Um, but um, yeah, I think I think that's it's a super interesting question in the first one, and he, it's very much debated over. In the first um, movie, he thinks he's a human, but in he the first might movie, not he be. He thinks he's a human. Okay. And then it's insinuated that he might be a replicant okay cool. at the very end but Got you it. never actually like find out or anything like that okay um that complicates go ahead i think that is what is so interesting about the original blade runner is you have this guy whose whole job is to hunt down replicants and he doesn't think of them as people which i i want to talk about the the uh how they've kind of retro graded the rape in that movie <laughs> Um, which is very weird, but, um, oh, how, yeah, how he doesn't that. think of them as human, how he's completely, um, unemotionally attached to replicants and kind of his journey to see them as actual people. And this movie does kind of the same thing of, I love that we think that, <clears throat> or that we know that Kay is a replicant right off the bat. I think that's I I I loved knowing that and then yeah. watching him think that he could actually be human and seeing kind of the opposite um story arc for him throughout this movie and then also watching it be dashed to pieces when he realizes he's not human. <laughs> I loved all of that. Yeah, I really enjoyed the twist of him not being the kid because yes. Whenever the twist was, "Oh, he is the kid." I was like, "Oh, that's so cool." And then whenever they twisted it and it wasn't, I also thought that was great. Um, yeah. it kind of kept me on my toes that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't feel Ryan Gosling's performance was really, really good, but I didn't feel the stakes of him being human or not very much. And so I think I would have felt that more, but, um, I don't know. I didn't in the first Blade Runner, I didn't pick up on Harrison Ford starting to view replicants more like people. I think he just viewed Rachel more like people. And I think he also starts to feel um, with, with his last kind of in the last it's really in the last few minutes with his confrontation with Roy Batty, um, just in their conversation in the rain and everything like that as he watches him die. I think that's that's part of it as well. Mm-hmm. But he also you're right. He also starts to see Rachel as human. But I it's really interesting. Is it to two replicants had a kid or is it a replicant and a human had a kid? And either one of those is like fascinating mm-hmm. for the implications so part of my issue with this movie although this wasn't my main issue was that there are so many things that i wasn't following fully um like i don't think they explained the and again this might be because i didn't see the original blade runner but um i don't feel like the rules of all these replicants were really explained thoroughly to me um or or in a way that i understood um so like for y'all saying that Ryan Gosling's character thought he might be a human. To me, I never thought that. I thought he might be a child replicant, which is different. Or, I I guess that's true, but it comes back to the argument of like what makes 
a human? Is it because that, that was the argument? I was like, is I it mean, something that's born? Was he born? Was he real? Serial codes on their eyeballs. <laughs> so <laughs> I think if he had a serial code on his eyeball, then he's a replicant. Now, whether a replicant has a soul or not, I think is an interesting question. Right. Um, but I guess I guess that's true. Like, what what makes you question, alive yeah. and real? Right. Because he never saw himself as real until there was a chance that he could have been born, which yeah. made him special. And so I guess I guess I guess you're right. Not human, but real. Okay. <laughs> Quote unquote. Yeah. Um, a replicant with a soul. Yeah. I also had so many questions about. I mean, and this is more nerdy questions that I don't think the movie movie was even interesting in dealing with. But like the idea of these replicants seems so flawed. Like, <laughs> like why would you create an android that like has all these thoughts and emotions when it seems like that could backfire so easily? And, <laughs> and you know, like, and they said something about how like this new generation, this new model of replicant mm-hmm. like obeys in a way that the originals didn't. But I didn't see how that was actually true. Like we didn't see... Ryan Gosling's character, like being forced to obey when he really wouldn't want to, you know what I mean? I don't, I didn't see how that was played out to be a true thing. Um, am I making sense about that? I mean, in the original Blade Runner, the one thing that they do give you for extra context is they added memories to duplicants because it made their reactions and their assessment of things more human. Like, to be Which able I to think totally get like I get mm-hmm. I, the whole part of them like being more human that that was more of a joke like I get that yeah the more human an android is the more useful they are for like all these different things um yeah. I guess for me it's just like okay they have super strength and they have like I guess they can read things quickly but <laughs> uh, like where it was just there were just so many things where it's just like man if i was making an android there'd be so many powers i would be giving them and wouldn't be giving them and I, I, it just seems like a very flawed concept overarching yeah but i also think that comes kind of comes down to like the evolution like once you get to a certain point with ai like can you stop it yeah. from changing yeah. and growing that's and i think that's kind of where where robin wright's character comes in is she has this very narrow viewpoint of what k is and what k does and like when when he says something he's obviously not lying he's saying the truth and he's obeying and yet he's kind of taken his own journey and is now doing things differently than he used to um and so, yeah, I, I, and I do feel like that all changed. I feel like he was obedient. He was very, like, in line um, up until there was a chance that he was special. Yeah. And that's yeah. when he started to think for himself and do it, things on his own. My, my ultimate issue with this movie, like I said, is that I didn't feel much. But also, um, this movie, I don't feel like put forth a lot of opportunity to think and talk about this idea of like having a soul or being a person. Um, It was much more interested in just like kind of the plot. Um, Emily, in that piece that I mentioned by Emily Yoshida, um, one line that she says was, uh, Vinoev's film is ultimately obsessed with motherhood and the ability to reproduce over any other defining female trait and feels less interested in questions of consciousness than in the pursuit of an elusive pseudo-religious special baby. And it and that really rung true to me, that, like, this movie was really all about, like, this story of, is he 
this special child or not versus like what makes a human what makes a person a person um there the one scene that i mentioned earlier that like made me feel something was the scene where he meets the memory maker for the first time and her that was a great scene. Explanation yeah. about memories and her creating memories mm-hmm. and his emotional response to her and his the memory. one emotional response in the movie. Yeah, and the memory that they share. Um, yeah, that was like an incredible scene that made me feel yeah. so many things. And that scene also addressed this idea of like a soul and what memories do to us as humans. And um, and th- I was like, this is amazing. This is what I want the whole movie to be. Um, but I feel like we only got it in that scene. See, for me, the whole thing was what makes you, you know, a person is thinking that you could be special. And like, that's not something that that an android or, you know, a replicant could conceive of or think of. And this whole vision and and, and not just with being the kid, but being loved by joy and his relation, like him having these extra relationships makes him feel like he could be special. And then when he loses joy and he, you know, he sees her the, or the advertisement for her or whatever, um, just like that whole, it's not a conversation he has with himself, but just like that, that whole kind of feeling of, I am not special. I like, I am, but I I am not anything, but I can choose to be, I can choose to be Mm. what I want to be in this moment. Like for me, that was the arc of the movie of, not so much am I this baby, but am I, am I special? Yeah, mm. that which I loved. Lucas, you saying that is making me like it more because <laughs> I love the a thematic arc where it's saying like there's this idea of destiny and you're the chosen one, or there's like, no, you're not anything special, but you can choose to do something like. Everyone is on the same level, and it's all about what you're choosing to do. That is a Mm -hmm. theme that I love, and that is uh, a character arc that I'm really behind. This movie did not communicate that to me, but um, I feel the same. I'm like, oh, what a beautiful story. If only I had felt that when watching it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But I also think that kind of comes into, like, because we, we, this is a very narrow movie for how big it is. We only see everything from Kay's perspective. Like, that is all we get. And he doesn't do a lot, so we don't actually get a lot from him of what this world is and everything. But the women that we do see are Robin Wright, his boss, who is the only actual human in this movie. And we see his relationship with her. We see his relationship with his fake, whatever, hologram girlfriend, Joy, and kind of what he wants out of a relationship with a woman. And we see his relationship with Mackenzie Davis's character, the prostitute, and basically androids using androids <laughs> as a sex toy really um and how there's a subclass below being a prostitute replicant and that's being a hologram girlfriend whatever like that is <laughs> another step down for joy and i never saw her as like a real character i um as soon as I, like she yeah. kind of like made her made it aware of like what that character was going to be immediately yeah. I was like oh it's a manic pixie hologram, hologram girl like that yeah she's yeah. not yeah. a person she is right. she's not a character she is like right. a figurehead for him to put all his hopes and dreams on just like it, men do in most movies yes yeah and I think I think that's what I liked about her character was that like we're, we're, we're playing with the trope and that like we're getting to see an android 
think that he has a real relationship with this this very very you know uh, product oriented thing. Like he he thinks he has this relationship with her, but he never asks her what she wants. Like we never get any of her perspective, any of her wants or needs or anything like that. Everything she does is in service of him. And so you see that fall apart later once he realizes like she's a product. She's just a product. And he thought she was bigger than that. I was not into that relationship. I I understand what you're saying, Lucas, about like the point it makes for this movie. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a valid like thing to think. But Man, I was just like, I, I don't feel anything about it. was just so blatant to me that this relationship was one sided and mm-hmm. um, and just male driven. And yeah, like you said, that she's just a product that yeah. I, I couldn't emotionally invest in that in mm-hmm. any way. So when she died, I didn't feel a single thing. because well, that, That's the thing. I don't think you're supposed to. I definitely didn't feel anything when she died. But yeah. you watched him feel something and you see how different he views that relationship than what it actually is. And you're watching him come to the same conclusion that you've had the whole time of like that was all fake. Man, Lucas, I really wish I could have had the same experience watching this movie. Yeah, yeah me like, too. I, You're making this movie sound like a masterpiece. Guys, and... I watched a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, like, at the end of the movie, I saw a moment, and while I was watching it, I was like, I really wish I could feel this. Like, this is kind of a cool thing, but I just haven't been, I don't feel like it's earned this moment. And it was like, whenever they discovered... Um, I thought, well, A, I thought it was really kind of profound whenever she was saying, like, you thought it was you, you thought the kid was you, Mm -hmm. and, um, and she was like, we all do, that's how we are able to fight, or that's why we believe, or whatever it is. Like, that's what gives us hope, is us all thinking we could be that person. And that was kind of a, a profound, um, uh, speaking to empathy that I Mm -hmm. was really interested in and wish there had been more of a, a build up to, but the other big thing was at the end when you find out that the kid is, uh, Harrison Ford's is, uh, uh, what's his Renly? Is that his name? Who? What's, uh, what's Harrison Ford's character's name? Deckard. Oh, Deckard. Deckard. I was thinking yeah. Ridley Scott, the director of the first movie. Oh Sorry. God. I was like, Deckard. Renly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Deckard. When you find out that it, Deckard's daughter, um, is the, the one is the kid. Yeah. Um, there's this kind of, great subversion of we're watching this whole movie about ryan gosling this whole movie is so male-centric and dystopian and all this stuff and the future is this girl is this woman and um she is just like such a positive force and all this and there was something cool about like women being the future and um the hope of humanity being in this uh female child um so that's the part i didn't get because i didn't like, is she the future? I don't understand why she was important. That was that was one thing I did miss was the whole focus on like why this birth of this child means so much was a little hazy to me. I kind of I get this side of the replicant saying like if a replicant can give birth, that means we have a soul and that we're not yes. just okay. I get their right. reasoning. Yep. I don't same. get Jared Leto's reasoning for like wanting the child or did he did he want replicants to reproduce? He, yes, because yeah. he wanted to build them faster. Because he can't build them fast enough. Right. So, so it's like, if they can give birth, he can make more. They can there can be more of them. It's like they but both his, want his, the same thing, which is right. strange. 
and then Robin Wright wants to kill it to keep them keep it under wraps. But I don't understand what like now that once once she died, at that point I feel like everybody was kind of on the same side of (laughs) this kid should be around. But I think Jared Leto wants to like take her apart and figure out what's going on there. Yeah, yeah. The whole basically wants to kill her the one who all of the duplicates are saying is like the first verifiable has a soul um duplicant but replicant replicant replicant. yeah sorry i keep saying that wrong replicant um but so jared leader wants to take her apart to be able to duplicate the the technology because he wants to have like he wants to make slaves like people like machines that reproduce and keep going and have families and childhoods and memories and all this stuff but are still the subservient class whereas all of the replicants think that this means that they're human and that they should be able to have more freedom and autonomy and everything and so mm-hmm. though they both kind of want the same thing they want it for these opposite reasons one being liberation and one being enslavement that yeah. makes sense i don't get how Harrison Ford finding her changes or helps anything. I don't know if it does. I think the whole point of that was that, like, he wasn't supposed to it from either side. Like, they didn't want him to, like, find her. Yeah. But but Ryan Gosling's character, like, was like, yeah, but she's your daughter. Let's just. Yeah. I don't, th- I don't yeah. think that that was towards a goal other than, like, being a good person and letting them see True. each other. True. Yeah. Like the ending of Lost. It was like, um, <laughs> didn't do anything for the plot. It was just felt good. Speaking of Very endings. Much. We don't have a lot of time left, but I do just want to say how crazy it is that this was like the same ending of Drive. Yeah, I haven't seen Drive in so long. (laughs) It was just like, oh, they literally just took the ending from Drive and and put it on this movie. Um, Basically, with just like Ryan Gosling's character, like about to die, you know, with like just laying down and and just like, yeah. And you don't know if he dies for sure, but it's pretty much implied, you know. Yeah. 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 Um. I, I don't have a lot to say about this because I haven't fully worked through my thoughts on it, but I just know I'm going to have a lot of thoughts about the whatever this movie is trying to say about, like, the female reproductive system and reproductive rights, I think is... I, I, I just know I'm going to have complex feelings about have it thoughts. that I haven't worked out yet. So <laughs> I felt the need to Well, you can that. definitely tell us about your thoughts okay, and feelings thanks. about them afterwards. I appreciate it. <laughs> um... I will say also that the lack of diversity in this movie is astounding, just down to the fact that you have this assumed Asian technology boom that has swept what looks like all of Western civilization. And you have this mix of languages, and it's a melting pot of food and cultures, but without any actual diverse characters in this movie. There is no one with more than five minutes of screen time who isn't white. And that's insane. I mean, I get I get that it's sci-fi and that this isn't real, but if you're going to do world building like this, it seems absolutely ridiculous to exclude minorities from this franchise. Also, that is another thing. I love that this is not a franchise starter. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not getting another Blade Runner. We're definitely not getting another Blade Runner. Like and that the, wasn't... the war that happens between. Right, right. Yeah. This is this, this is it. Like all. All they wanted out of this movie was just to tell this story. This wasn't to set up the next cinematic universe of whatever. Um, And I liked that. I really liked that because I feel like any reboot we get now has this kind of open-ended whatever for, you know, more of those movies. But this was very definitively, this is all we wanted to say and we're done. This is making me realize I much prefer the model of 
making a instead of making a remake, which seems kind of like what they wanted to do with this movie was just to remake Blade Runner. But instead of doing that, they're like, we're going to keep all the characters from the previous movie, keep the plot moving forward, but do a lot of the same things. And I like how they did that in The Force Awakens, even though that was more of a franchise starter. And I like how they did that here, where it was talking about a lot of the same things, but in a, in a new, refreshed way. Um... But ultimately, like, I think if I'd gone into this expecting a remake, I would have liked it more. Mm-hmm. Um, because it just felt like the question of are uh, replicants humans because they have memories is not that different from are replicants human because they can reproduce or because they're born. Like, it's all kind of do these do these machines have souls? Do they dream? Do they... You know, but it's is, not because it's if they're born. It's because if they choose to be. That's I mean that's a better story. But like this, the bulk of the narrative around this to me was like it's all about being born, and I felt like that's what they spent the bulk of the script talking about. So many of the themes talking about. I see what you're talking about with the, that uh, pivotal moment with Ryan yeah. Gosling, but that didn't stand out to me as much as the entire framework of the script. So yeah. if I had gotten that. If I'd gotten that message that you got from it, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more. But as I was, I was like, this is not breaking any new ground. Yeah. So. Yeah. Basically. I kind of want to see it again. I would say everybody needs to watch it twice. You need to spend <laughs> six hours with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I will I will definitely be watching this movie again. I really loved it. Like, there's definitely some, like, weird plot things and like script issues that I think could have been fixed. But thematically, I really loved this movie. And any issues you guys have with it, tweet them at me and (laughs) I will tell you why I loved it. I'm not necessarily right, but it's why I loved it. (laughs) There's a part of me, Lucas, that wants to watch this movie again with just a soundtrack and no dialogue. You know, like if I could just have like just like a lot of the dialogue cut out and just kind of like the shots of this movie, like all the expository shots of the scene and like Ryan Gosling, like walking around in cool coats um, with just cool music playing behind it. I would rewatch that. See, I didn't really like the soundtrack all that much. I I did not think that there was much going on there. That the soundtrack itself wasn't that great. There were moments that I thought were great, but yeah. I w- but it, with a cool soundtrack that's not this one, but like a different yeah, yeah. one added, yeah. like with actual mu- moving music with mm-hmm. just these visuals, man, I would rewatch that again for sure. Did you guys watch any of the short stories done? They, were, they put out three short stories. Oh, no, I um, didn't hear about that. Are paired with this movie. Um, they're, they're pretty good. Um, and they're all, they're basically three points between the original Blade Runner and this movie. And so one of them is 2036, which is the invention, which is it's a, basically a Jared Leto short, um, his kind of application to start making replicants. Um, one of them is a, a Dave mm-hmm. Batista backstory. And the third one is um, the blackout. Them talking about what the blackout oh, was. Yeah, um, I'm really interested so in those. Those are interesting. Uh, they don't. I don't think they make the movie better or worse, but it's just interesting that they did that. Yeah. So yeah. if you're interested know. in seeing those, it's it's interesting. I had no idea. Yeah. Cool. Well, it sounds like uh, 
out of the three of us, Lucas saw the best version of Blade Runner 2049, <laughs> and we're all a little jealous. But um, yeah, mixed reviews, uh, even among ourselves, and definitely more broadly, there are pretty mixed reviews. But uh, we would love to know what you think. If you've already seen this, especially, um, tweeted us at feelingitpod, or send us an email at feelingitpod at gmail.com. Know that we will reply to the tweet a lot faster than we would an email. Um, but uh, yes, you can also reach out to us individually um, online. Lucas, where can we find you? You can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. Please tell me that somebody else liked Blade Runner besides me. <laughs> oh, I know a lot of people like Blade Runner. <laughs> I, <laughs> my Twitter feed is full of them. Um, you can find me on all social media at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And you can find me at Lawson West on all social media stuff. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Adios. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 